Hi, I'm Kevin Frost, your presenter today, and welcome to today's presentation, Make Your Small Business More Accessible. Chelsea Smith, for those of you that don't know me, I am the COO here at Hub and I get to work with great speakers and subject matter experts like Kevin to provide amazing learning opportunities to you as small business owners. Um, we are doing our first session in what's going to be a series of Grow With Google webinars over the next year. So. Um, Cahoots and Hub are partners with Grow With Google, and Kevin is also a community partner uh, as well with Grow With Google. And so you'll be seeing him pop up throughout our event schedule this year um, with these special Grow With Google focused webinars. So we're so excited um, to have Kevin here with us today. Um, as you may notice, the session is being recorded. Um, so if you are a Hub member, if you're a member of one of our Hub platforms, um, you will be able to access this recording in your learning library, and you'll get an email when that recording is available. If you are not a Hub member, I really encourage you to go check out myhub.com and see if there is a Hub platform available in your city. We've got tons of free resources for small businesses um, and lots of different opportunities to take advantage of. So I'll pop that link um, to my hub in the chat here in just a moment. Um, I think that covers everything today and we have a lot of material to get through. So I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to our speaker, Kevin Frost, to take it away. Kevin, off to you. Hello everyone and welcome. Let me get my sh screen shared here in just a second so that everyone can kind of see the presentation. All right. And again, just like Chelsea was saying, my name is Kevin Frost and I am the presenter today. So hello and welcome to today's presentation, Make Your Small Business More Accessible. I'm a small business consultant with The Hub and I was actually born and raised here in Mesa, Arizona. I have a passion for helping small businesses and startups and of course nonprofits with digital marketing. And one facet that not everybody always thinks about first is accessibility. But today, that's just what we're gonna be diving into. We'll explore some of the best practices uh, for digital communication online and how accessibility kind of has a part in all of that. Now, before I jump too far in to the presentation, I have a quick video to share uh, and it'll kind of set the tone for today's presentation. I'm what's called the CODA. My parents were both born deaf. I was not. When people in the hearing world learn that about me, they always want to know more. You start out your forehead and then go out with your hand. I've always had one foot in the deaf world and one in the hearing world. I translated a lot for my parents it made us closer. Now that it's been over a year since we've seen each other in person, communication is more important than ever. Especially with this kind. It's their first time being grandparents, so they don't want to miss a single moment.
either. We can't wait for you to meet him. I once called the codex. Let me go and pause that. Don't want to replay that too many times. <laughs> so awesome video, guys. It's it's uh it's it's a great way to kind of introduce this whole session uh, accessibility. Again, it's not always the first thing that people think about when it comes to digital marketing, but it is an extremely part of it. So during this presentation, just sit back and relax and get ready to learn how to make your small business more accessible and inclusive. Let's make the internet a more welcoming place for everyone. Disabilities are not always visible, but it can affect everyone around the world. And today's agenda, we'll be talking about the definition, what accessibility really means, how to design a website with accessibility in mind, how to create emails that might be a little bit easier to read and understand. Then we'll get into some tips for physical accessibility and how your business can be more inclusive. So to get started, I want to actually make this presentation a little bit more accessible by adding some captions. There we go. Right here on the bottom, you should be able to see them here. So what does accessibility really mean? Well, at least by ChatGPT's description, it refers to the design of products, devices, services, or environments for people with disabilities. And the goal of accessibility is to create an environment that is usable and convenient for everyone, regardless of their abilities. And this includes providing equal access to information and communication technologies, as well as, as physical spaces. In the context, of the internet, though, accessibility means ensuring that websites and your digital content can be easily used by people with disabilities, such as those who are uh, people that are deaf or may have mobility impairments. Now, this can include providing alternative forms of navigation using clear and simple language and incorporating features such as closed caption and audio description. Now, some disabilities are visible and others are not immediately apparent. But someone with any type of impairment may encounter barriers to completing certain tasks or activities uh, that may be required to really interact with you as a business. So with accessibility, it ensures that people with those disabilities can perceive and understand and navigate through the world like you and I do every single day. Now, often this can be done with the help of assistive technologies that kind of break down those barriers. But something to keep in mind is that this is a person first approach. It's not blind people or deaf people. It's a person that has vision impairment or a person who happens to be deaf. They are individuals who are just trying to participate in every single day activities. So here's some stats that uh, around the world um, that are people affected by disabilities. Some of them are permanent, and uh, there is also many people who have temporary disabilities, like people that are in crutches or someone who has a time-bound injury. So one way to think about it in a form of a business mind way uh, is how to be thoughtful in thinking of how to connect with those potential customers that may be permanently or temporarily 
have disabilities. So from a business perspective, 15% of the world's population have some sort of disability. That's 1 billion people worldwide, at least by the World Health Organization statistics. That means over 25% of your potential customers in the US have a disability. Now, globally, people with disabilities have almost six trillion in spending power. So if your business isn't thoughtful in its approach to accessibility, you might be leaving some money on the table and missing out on a large group of population with significant resources. A lot of spending powder. But that's why we're here today, right? To learn how to build around accessibility and making things more accessible for everyone. What that means is producing digital content that people with disabilities can perceive, understand, and navigate. It's about designing your business's communications, products, and the physical space in a way that'll allow people with disabilities to still be engaged so they won't feel left out. People can't buy your products or services if they can't find them and or engage with it. So building for accessibility is good business practice. Plus bonus, these tactics often improve the user's experience all around the board, even if they have a, even if it's a person with a disability or not. So how do we do it? One way to think about it is imagine a football game is playing on a TV in a noisy bar. To improve the experience for people with disability, the bar owner might enable closed caption on the TV screen, but in a noisy bar, everyone could benefit from closed captioning, not just those with hearing impairment. You'll see that many of the strategies we're going to review today benefit all users. And it's important to note that implementing these strategies can help you comply with rules and laws, lessening your company's legal risk as well. And one way we do this is through universal design. So there's many things that we can do to make existing digital content more accessible with, uh, to those with disabilities, but universal design means designing for everyone, not just those with disabilities. And some of these things can be pretty obvious, like descriptions on your images, adding specific color choices or colors with contrast, formatting text in a specific way, and of course, video transcripts. With all of these things, though, it can be a little bit hard to remember everything out there that you have to do in order to you know, make your content accessible. So we'll do an activity today that can kind of help put this in perspective. Since universal design can help those with or without disabilities, better comprehending co digital content helps search engine optimization as well. So it doesn't just help people, but it helps computers find your content. So let's explore one of these examples. I do have an activity today. Hopefully everyone can, par can participate. Um, and it's a simple one, I promise. Uh, and we'll be adding alternative text for this image. Uh, and alternative text is a key principle of web accessibility. It's also one of the most difficult things to really properly implement. So here's today's exercise. How would you describe this image? In the chat today, if you could, go ahead and enter in what you think this image's alt text would be. 
somebody's response, uh, a glass cup of coffee and a saucer with a spoon. Pretty good one. It is coffee, of course. So black coffee and a white mug. Good job. Steaming hot cup of black coffee. That's a good one. Some of these are getting really descriptive, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Coffee shop advertising. A freshly grounded made black cup of coffee. Now, these are really good. These are really good ideas. And a cup of black coffee with a metal spoon over a ceramic plate. Very descriptive, for sure. Now, specifically, it's a white ceramic cup filled with black coffee on a saucer with a spoon. Right? But with all text, context is everything here. You should ask what the meaning of this image is supposed to convey. And so for an example, um, if this was like a menu item or, or, or uh, like you would want it to just say black coffee or, or something simple, simply is describing what a cup of coffee is. But let's say this is a photo that somebody can actually buy from a website. So if you're describing the alt text for the photo, You'd want to change the alt text to make it a little different, like specifying the size of the image or the print that it's going to come on. Is it the type of paper or, or a unique fabric that the image is going to come on um, or the, the size of the print? Is it framed? You know, all of these things really come into play with how you describe the image on a website. And since alternative text should be present, uh, represented in the content, is in context and how the websites, uh, what the image does on the website, like what's the purpose of the function. So the key principle is that computers and screen readers can't actually analyze an image and determine what the image is or presents or even what it's representing. So the alternative text is presented in two ways. With the alt text attribute of the image element, and that's code, um, also within the context of the surrounding space of the image itself. So back to the cup of coffee, consider why it's on the web page and its purpose, not just what it is. Um, if its purpose is to help the user make a menu selection, like if it's just a, a menu item of a cup of coffee, the alt text might simply just be coffee. If it's a decorative alternative text, you might even leave it blank. Like if it doesn't add any value to the website, you could just leave it as two parentheses, two parentheses marks. And, and that means that the image is basically nothing um, or just shows that it's blank. So this alternative text is a big topic to really unpack. Uh, there's also some great resources online, um, specifically webaim.org, which stands for Web Accessibility in Mind. It's a nonprofit organization, um, and they have a ton of articles that really dive deep, deep into alternative text. Now, when you add an image onto the website and you have those two distinctive ways for visitors to really understand it, you have the alternative text 
which is kind of like the background information, which uh, the technology helps break those, down those, bar builder, uh, those barriers for accessibility. Then you actually have the um, description of the image. And, and again, alt text is just an abbreviation for alternative text. Uh, so it's like more behind the scenes. But that means that a visually impaired person using a screen reader will hear the alternative text description of the image read out loud. So you want to make sure that that alternative text does make sense. Um, you don't want to just say copy, spoon, saucer, um, but more kind of describing the whole scene of the image as well. But in general, a description is visible. And it also can appear on the website page itself as well. Sometimes you can add a description into an image, but then not have it displayed. So there's, again, there's a lot to unpack here. Without descriptions or an alternative text, a screen reader will completely miss that the image is even part of the content at all. So for a visually impaired person, reading a website instead of seeing a website can be really difficult unless the business uh, or the person creating the website has that in mind. Now let's talk about some more information on these descriptions. If you're using a website, or sorry, if you're using images on your website and uh, you want to properly communicate them, sometimes an unlabeled image will not be able to be seen by the screen reader. So the same thing is true for charts and graphs as well, not just images. Alt text should be added to any charts or graphs that you have on a website. And then, of course, offer a short description of the graph or chart for the screen readers, specifically with those in mind. In this case, there should also be a second description, like a longer description. This can either be like a caption or a link to another page with even more information about what the chart really is um, and more information about it. This is especially important for charts with like a ton of information or things that are really complex. Now, the, the caption on this slide says, with the addition of five new training spaces over the course of the year, last year, we are now able to accommodate more people. It is helpful, this caption, but it's, it, it could go a little bit further. So a more detailed and informative way to put this is, the number of waitlisted students began in Q4 2016 as over 80 people. So right around here. Sorry, right up here. It started off at 80 and steadily drops to less than 40 by Q4 in 2017. Uh, now, the number of students classified as enrolled and attended rose over the same time period, reaching over 80 and then 60, respectively. So, it's showing and describing what the graph is also showing and describing. In that caption, you have highlighted the key points for your reader and then they can examine the graph more closely for greater insight. So think of your audience to determine what level of detail is really required for captions. It's also helpful to provide data in an alternative format, such as a spreadsheet uh, or in other ways, since assistive technology can kind of sort it out, view it, and parse the table data. You can use website coding to connect the different descriptions and associated the, with the images for screen readers, but it can be a little difficult at times. So if you do want to, there, sorry, if there is 
do you if you want more information sorry there is a tutorial on the world wide web consortium the w3c website or, or w3.org and just search for complex images and it'll literally show you a tutorial on how to properly label things out now incidentally the w3c has an initiative called wai which stands for web accessibility initiative dedicated to promoting a high degree of usability for people with disabilities. Something else that is also really important when it comes to accessibility in websites is color and contrast. Speaking from experience, darker colors are much easier to perceive than lighter colors. Color is really a vital and important tool for making your content that much more accessible. Now, those with disabilities can see darker colors much more clear than lighter colors in general. But it's not just the colors. In making color choices for your content, it's important to take into consideration the contrast between the background of the text, and then the colors should also be dissimilar enough so that the text is legible and a little more readable. As you can see, the low contrast, it's just a little bit harder to read. It is legible, but with the high contrast, the lettering and the typography really pops that much more. So compare that to the higher contrast, combining with the one on the right, uh, which lets letters stand out more sharply, increasing the readability much more. So there are design standards for color and contrast for regular sized and large font. And again, if you want to learn more, there are uh, there is more information on the W3 uh, sites as well. You just got to check under the tab specifically web content accessibility guidelines. Now, while color is a powerful tool, relying sorry, relying only on color to indicate distinctions may leave behind the 300 million people who have color blindness. I'm one of those people. So as an example, consider a traffic map that shows clogged routes in red and roads with good traffic flow in green. If somebody can't distinguish between green and red, how will they know which, uh, which route has less traffic? So there are some design techniques that can help making it a little bit easier for people, uh, like using high contrast, of course, the different types of brightness, using thicker lines, the various um, patterns and dashed lines. But don't assume that color conveys a specific meaning, because it doesn't always. Use texture to really distinguish between objects. Add patterns or labels to really ensure that the context of the image gives through. And finally, don't forget to label elements like titles, legends, x-axis, y-axis, and all of the important information about the graph. So here is just a few examples of just that. We can get a sense of how high contrast, hues, saturation, and brightness works by translating this color chart over here to the left, excuse me, into a grayscale format over to the right. You can see that the stronger hues on the color chart correlate to stronger grays. And remember that using contrasting colors can make letters and numbers pop. 
In the information graph on the right, you can see how different design elements we talked about improve readability. Thicker lines, different unique colors, different types of dashed lines, even twist straight uh, bar line, and then specifically the X and Y axis with labeled elements. If you've ever scanned headlines and subheads of an article or instructions on a book, how to quickly find what you're looking for, then you know just how useful these tools can really be. Assistive technologies, though, they allow readers to scan documents in the same way. By creating a list of all the headers, this list is generated based on how the document is formatted. So if it's not formatted correctly, nobody's going to really be able to read it well. And that's why universal design really comes into play in all of these things. Uh, in this specific example on the right, it's a Google Doc. And the built-in text formatting tools organize the headings within the document for all readers, from largest text, which is header one, to smallest text, header six. I'm not even showing it there, but there is a heading six. Now, Google Doc create documents outlined based on your header choices, while assistive technologies gather all these elements into heading lists. The same way is, it's done on uh, Microsoft Word as well. And specifically, I, I wanted to show an example of this as well. Uh, so this is just a template on a Google Doc. And usually this is how it would normally look. And if you're looking at it over here, there's this simple summary. And what's nice is if all of these things, for example, this is the heading one, heading one, but this is the title shown here, and then this is the subtitle. Now, if we wanted to quickly jump to all of those things, we can just click on the outline, and it'll take us to all of the different headings and or subheadings down here. So it's a great way to really organize your content, uh, making it more legible for, for everyone. So that's just one use case of using headlines and sublines in an article to really make it make the information more quickly easier to find. And so by correctly implementing all of these things, it will make a significant difference for users with disabilities, um, plus anybody that doesn't have a disability as well. It's better layout for sure. So now let's take a look at formatting text length. Well-written text links sets the user's expectation on where a link might take them. Now, everybody's seen this before where it says, oh yeah, visit this link. Nah, it's, it's all right, you know, maybe they will visit it, but it doesn't set those expectations right away. So in the first example, I assume that if I click this link, I'll be taken to the home page that discusses the Grow with Google program versus just seeing this link which doesn't really give me a clear idea of where I'll land. And just as a screen reader user can navigate a page by headings, they can also jump to all of the different links on a page via a link listing. Now, links that are not descriptive can cause a lot of, a lot of confusion and make your site or your document presentation much more difficult to navigate and, and really just kind of follow along. So 
as a bonus to making all of your links and information that much more descriptive, it helps a lot with search engine optimization. So it doesn't benefit just human users, but it also benefits Googlebot as well. Believe me, you want your content crawled if you want it shared. So remember, we discussed using closed captionings on the football game on the TV in the noisy bar. Well, that's not the only use for closed captioning. If you use videos for your business, when publishing on YouTube, you can actually customize the captions, which can be added then to a website. So rather than letting the technology figure out what you're saying, you can specifically write it all out for you. Now, usually there are automatic captioning, automatic transcripts, um, and or you can just kind of create your own captions. But by having a knowledgeable vendor or someone that can create them for you, it helps with the description of the video, it's the pace for everyone as well. Then you have something that you can really just copy and paste into the closed captioning for the video. So it's something nice to have for sure. Remember, to, uh, sorry, something to always remember and to note is that all automatic caption programs, they are imperfect at best. And for example, let's see if it pops up on the bottom correctly. If you're reading off an address, like I live at 183 Elm Drive. See, it pulled up the drive there, but assistive technology will have to make a choice. Is it BR period, like doctor, or is it drive, like a road? Is it street as an STR period, or ST? Is it court? CT period, how, how does it lay, how does it look? Um, well, assistive technology doesn't always get it right. So these are just some of the challenges that even with assistive technology, it isn't always 100% accurate, but it does do pretty well. And it's much better than nothing. So let's take a look at the way automatic Captioning works in different platforms. So starting with one, YouTube, the second most used search engine out there. Now, YouTube can use speech recognition technology to automatically create closed captioning for videos, um, but those captions are published along with the video. Automatic captions are available in English, Dutch, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Portuguese, Russian, and of course, Spanish. Auto translate is available in the settings for even more languages. Easy, right? But it's important to note that while auto captions are good for uh, are a good start for making video content more accessible, they are not a perfect substitute for human created captions. And of course, you can learn more about uh, YouTube subtitles and captions in the YouTube Help Center. Even uh, YouTube, or sorry, not YouTube, but video platforms like Vimeo, it also allows users to toggle their own auto captioning tool on and off while an event is live. So it gives them a chance to kind of follow along. If you've ever watched a TED Talk online, you might have also noticed that the speech bubble icon on a video player. So this opens a window to select a type of language and then add subtitles for the user. Then, of course, it plays when the, when the viewer returns, returns the video. If you've ever used TikTok and, of course, sent those back and forth, 
It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> if you haven't already, I suggest it. Um, but it also has its own version of auto captions. And that feature automatically generates captions for the videos that have sounds or voices. Creators even have the option to toggle this feature on and off. I highly recommend having it on because a lot of users, even though the video may have sound, they might not have sounds on their own devices. They might be laying in bed next to their loved ones or in a room with a sleeping baby. So having those closed captions can be really helpful, keeping people engaged and following along with what's happening without actually having to hear what's going on. Now, some platforms do offer video transcripts too. And in YouTube, you can view an automatic transcription with or without the timestamps. Um, but transcripts, which are different than the auto-generated content, um, transcripts can also be uploaded to create the video captions. So quick YouTube tip, if you can ensure that all of your video caption text is accurate by starting with the automatic transcript, and then of course editing it if necessary, then you upload it. So there is more information on adding subtitles and captions in the YouTube Help Center, but it's just well worth doing this because it really helps people follow along with what's happening disability or not. PDFs are one of those gray areas. Now, often they require a lot more thought and effort to make it accessible. A lot of uh, green readers and uh, the assistive technologies haven't really been able to figure out PDFs that well, but complex PDFs with images and diagrams are generally just not accessible through assistive technology. Even text-only PDFs can be a little difficult for assistive technologies to really interpret what's going on. So if you do use PDFs, try using tagging or remediation software to provided by Adobe to add accessibility to the document itself. If there is another option for presenting that information, you might want to choose that other option instead of a PDF. Adobe does have its own accessibility um, information though. So feel free to go to adobe.com backslash accessibility. Okay, so we've talked about websites, images, alt text, and a few other things. Now let's talk about making email communications accessible. You can start by writing your email in a logical reading order to really help with legibility and readability. So when using assistive technology like screen readers, the technology scan, it scans the text from left to right. Sorry, I probably looks reverse on the video, <laughs> but then top to bottom. So with that in mind, keeping text in a single column uh, will make it that much more able to be read from the assistive technologies, but it also makes it less likely of sensory overload and confusing of use, making it too confusing for users. Nobody wants a research paper for an email. So just like in journalism, don't bury your lead. Put the most important information right at the top. Then make the purpose and hyperlinks really clear. You want to make sure that the information's front and center. Avoid call to actions like learn more or get started, click here. They're a little too vague. So also, you might want to avoid emojis in the subject line, 
when conveying critical information because they can be eye-catchy, but the assistive technology and screen readers don't always pick up on those properly. So emojis can be difficult for users who are really visually impaired um, to really interpret what's going on. Also, different operating systems might translate emojis differently while using a screen reader. Then just what the end result of that is, is just misunderstanding of the critical information. So if it's something really important, try, try to avoid using emojis if possible. So some best practices, especially with text to image ratio, is try to keep a 60-40 um, from text to image. Too much text or too little images can make navigation really difficult. Avoid overusing links. Even if they're clearly labeled, too many hyperlinks can re really lead to a poor reading experience. And for emails, maintain a minimum of 14 point font size in your email body. Anything smaller makes it really hard to read. Now, footers and disclaimers, terms of, and conditions, those can be a little bit smaller. Um, they're allowed to be a little bit smaller, plus most people don't always read those all the way through, but in general, maintain good contrasting ratios that involve color as well. But avoid uh, using visual cues based on color. Remember, those three million, 300 million people experiencing colorblindness, be included, so when underline those bold hypertext links instead of just color coding them. And if your email includes a video, be sure to include closed captioning, especially if the video includes critical information and or instructions on how to do something. All right, so we've talked a lot about dealing with things and accessibility online. But now we take it down to the physical reality here. Let's switch gears. How do you uh, deal with accessibility in your physical business space? You can take a moment to think about a business's physical space. And it could be as simple to make it more accessible. It could be as simple as removing some obstacles, making sure that there's enough designated space for somebody to come through with, of course, those lovely service animals that everybody loves to pet. But something to also consider is noise level. If you can adjust um, the amount of noise coming out of machines, can you make adjustments for the hearing impaired? Is the space easy to navigate, particularly for those with visual or motor impairments? Maybe they have a wheelchair. And access, of course. Is there an elevator on the property? Um, is there wheelchair accessible entrance to the parking lot? And of course, there are some regulations. Do your counters and doorways comply with ADA regulations? Then, while you're thinking about this, take one more step. In online listings and on your website, include applicable information to help people know what to expect. Dealing with those expectations up front makes people feel that much more welcomed. Do you offer or do you welcome service animals? Are you ADA compliant? Does the building have a wheelchair accessible entrance? Um, by setting those things up front and center and making it that much more easier to be found, the 
It'll let potential new customers know how your business might meet their needs. And of course, like I said, it puts their expectations ahead of time. Even for Kip, sometimes having those wheelchair accessible entrances is extremely important. So in the end, accessibility is really about respecting the needs of others and understanding the challenges that they may face. So I wanna close out this section by offering a few thoughts on what it means to be inclusive when you interact with somebody who has a disability. Again, don't just make assumptions about people because a lot of disabilities are completely invisible or, or hidden, um, including some physical disabilities or mental conditions that you don't always see. By doing this, you could speak normally. You don't have to over-enunciate things or enunciate things. Um, you don't have to slow your speech or speak so loud that they have to hear you unless they ask you to do so. And it is okay to use pleasantries. And this is something that I learned as well, because I was always kind of cautious of this. Um, it's okay to say like, see you later, even if the person has a visual impairment. Another good rule of thumb though, is just if you're unsure, ask them. Um, and be respectful, of course, but ask them if it's gonna be okay for things, especially before you do something for them. Respecting an individual's request or their own personal space, it goes a long way. So for example, someone may ask you to write directions down on a piece of paper because they prefer piece of paper instructions rather than verbal instructions. So try to accommodate requests when you can. If a person does use a wheelchair, crutches or crane, sorry, cane, treat those items as part of their own personal space as well. Give them those spaces to be able to roam as they need. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about accessibility, we've listed a few resources here on this slide. There are a lot, there are a lot of resources out there on accessibility um, and a good amount of information. It can be a little daunting, but don't worry. It is something very doable. Uh, as a quick recap before we, we close out today's session, if you guys wanted to test your own website out, for accessibilities, one recommendation that I have is there are some Google extensions you can use to uh, use screen readers. And you can even use a screen reader on your own website and just see how it goes, see how it feels. Uh, and, and imagine if you are someone with a disability and how they would inter interact and um, interact with your website and see what it would look like from their point of view. Thank you for watching our presentation today. Make your small business more accessible. If you have any more questions or would like to reach out to me directly, feel free to email me at standing360az at gmail.com. I'd love to answer any questions you have for me. Thanks. Bye.